Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our series, Is It Finished?, with a message titled, The Unseen Battle. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. We thank the Lord. Come on, isn't, isn't God good, you guys? Isn't he good? Come on, let's thank the Lord. Welcome our campuses. What's up? How you doing? Um, we're in a series called, Is It Finished?, is it finished? And, you know, we talk about Easter and all that Jesus did. And so we kind of want to get on the other side of that and ask the question, is it finished? Did he really do what he said he would do? And is he who he said he would be? And for many, many people in around the world, we know that answer is true. And so today we want to talk about the unseen battle and some of the weapons that we have to face our enemy in the unseen battle. I want to tell you from the outset of the message, the big enemy isn't Satan, it's you and me. I just, I just want to, so spoiler alert. Okay, that's, that's the end from the beginning and or the beginning from the end, whatever we want to say. Years ago, um, how many of you have the gift of discernment? Discernment, how many of you get, how many, okay. Uh, years ago, I, when I, we came to Brandon, I went into a meeting and uh, my mom was with me. She has the gift of discernment. It's crazy. We walked up to a gentleman. She said, that guy has a dark cloud over his head. And later, she, so she pulled me over immediately. I was talking to him. She said, he's got some dark thing on him. And, uh, and, and so it's not an aberration. It wasn't an aberration. She wasn't seeing things. She was actually seeing a spirit. And so in America, what's happened in our Western culture, and it proved to be true, that spirit played itself out and it was insidious. And in, our, in, in Western civilization, what we've done is we've intellectualized ourselves out of believing the biblical narrative. Because in the biblical narrative, we have God and Satan, they are at odds with one another. We have angels and demons, they are at odds with one another and we're in the middle of the fray. And this thing that we live in is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. So I want to pray. I want to ask God that he would open our eyes today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that we would see what we've not seen before. We would hear what we've not heard before. That from our innermost man, we would know you and see you and sense you and believe what the Bible says. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen, amen and amen. I want to give you an orientation first of our enemy. And I, I let it out for us. Our sin and sin would be anything that just is disbelieving God, disbelieving him, not trusting God. Let's just use that as a capsule for sin. Our sin, and at Satan's bequest, his request in the Garden of Eden, it fractured, if you will, everything. Say everything. everything. It, it literally broke everything. God existed in community with himself, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is the only non-contingent being in the universe. And by non-contingent, I mean anything is contingent upon anything. In other words, if you would say, where did my hamburger come from? You could go through a line of contingencies. This is based on this is based on this is based on this is based on this, right? The seed creates the grass and the grass is eaten by the cow when the cow, are you with me? Yes. Okay. God is the only non-contingent being in the universe. God is, and God was, and God will be. That is, that is the nature of God. You say, can you fully explain that? Mm -mm. We'll just keep going. God is, God is. So he existed in community with himself, but he was in community. God who is distinct yet one. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he was in heaven, in an eternity. The Bible says that we have three heavens. 
There's the heaven that we have, and we call that the, our expanse where the birds fly. Then there are the heavens, the cosmos, and that's the expanse of the cosmos and the planets. And then there's the heavens, the third heavens where God exists, the expanse that reaches beyond space and time, the heavens. So in heaven, and he created beings, and many beings are there in heaven, and there is an angel there who was an exalted angel, second in command, and the Bible speaks of him in Isaiah chapter 14 as Lucifer. Many of you have heard that name before. Has anybody not heard the name? Don't raise your hands. Lucifer is a very well-known term. It means morning star or angel of light. And oh God, open the heavens, rend the heavens and come down, Lord Jesus. Lucifer was in heaven, God's in community. The angels and the other beings are in community with God. Lucifer, the Bible says, was prideful and arrogant. That's the heart of a satanic mind, right? The mind, the, the, the Bible says the mind exists in the innermost being of a man or a woman. It is the centerpiece of where you are, is where your mind functions from. It's actually from your inner man. That's where this gets the signal. If your gut's not healthy, nothing else is healthy. The eyes are the window to the soul. It's the connection between this engine and the motivation of the heart and what we do and what we say. So Satan is prideful. He thinks he can usurp the throne of God. That does not work out well. Everybody with me? He is cast from the presence of God. The Bible says then in Revelation chapter 12 that he comes to make war against man. Mary gave birth to a man-child gave birth to a God-man, Jesus. And that dragon, the serpent of old, came to make war for you and me. The Bible says when he was cast out of heaven, now remember Jesus pre-existed, the book of Colossians says that Jesus is with God in eternity and he saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. That's a great Tuesday, you guys. That, that, that's amazing. He saw him cast down and a third of the angels were convinced with him. You say, how could God create a universe where somebody has free reign like that. And, and, and so I, I want you to know that God loves you enough to give you free will. And God loves the angels enough to give them free will. Because if God would have created us as animatons that we could not obey him, then how would he know if we loved him? So if you created the universe, would you create the potential for evil? Go like this with me. If you created the universe and all that's the beings in it, would you create, the, not evil, would you create the potential for evil? Go like this. Because if you don't have the potential for evil, you don't have freedom. Think about that. The potential for evil means that I can obey God or I can distrust God and I can break my relationship with God. Therefore, I am truly free. I'm truly free. So were the angels and so a third of the angels fell with him. How many is that? I'm not sure, I don't know. Millions, hundreds of millions, I don't know. But it says that Satan and Lucifer then were cast down, that he is the prince of the power of the air. He's actually the prince of the world. He is the God of the age who's blinded the minds of those who live in the world but don't worship God as Lord and Savior. So in the garden, he slides up in the form of a serpent, to, uh, serpent not a serpent. I don't know what that is. That's a snake on a surfboard. He slides up to Adam and Eve and he suggests to them, now watch this, this is where the trouble comes. He says, surely God doesn't have your good at heart. And that's the ancient lie. Surely God doesn't love you. 
I mean, surely he's holding out on you. And surely if you take from the tree in the middle of the garden, uh, the tree of life, then you're going to see things differently because he's been keeping things from you and you're going to feel things differently. You're going to taste, touch and smell. And that's attractive to you. And you want to do that. And for the pride of life, you're going to get a knowledge that you've never had before. And so sin means to just distrust God and to believe the word of any other being in the universe other than God. Are you with me? So they trusted in Satan. They said, we're going to try this thing out. And man, you know, Adam and Eve, that's the first husband and wife couple right there. And um, Adam just, you know, God said, Adam, what happened? He said, it was her. It was my wife. She did it. (laughs) First blame shifting that ever took place. There you go. Just shifted the blame right away. Okay. Guys, we'll let you off the hook on that one. All right. Just, just, just shifted the blame. Now, now, When we think about this, I want you to know that this rupture, when sin came into the world, let me back up just a second. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with one another. Would that be awesome? Would that be awesome? There'd be no more sin and brokenness and cursing and divorce and molestation and heartache and all those things. They had a perfect relationship with one another. They had a perfect relationship with their environment and with the animals that were in it. They had a perfect relationship with the earth. They had a perfect relationship with God. He was their father, protector. He walked with them in the cool of the day. Think about this. There were no mosquitoes, y'all. I think when sin came into the world, mosquitoes were created in that moment. Weren't they? There was, there was, there were no bad rays that come, you know, the gamma rays and all those things that create, isn't it going to be a good day when cancer's over with? Is it going to be a good day when cancer's rid? When, when one day when we're translated and these bodies are updated and we stand with God and he wipes away every tear and he'll say, cancer will never touch another human being. That's, a, that's when sin entered the world, sin and death broke everything. It broke the horizontal relationship because it broke the vertical relationship. When the vertical relationship was broken, everything on earth was broken. So the cosmos itself on all of its pinions and its direction and its precision, all of it was broken. And the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, that this world, the entire world and the cosmos groans. If you could put your ear to the earth and just think of all the struggle and the difficulty and the strife and animal tearing another animal and what we've done to planet earth and how we're breaking it and how we have minded and, and, and just, we have, we've done all these things and the solar system, the cosmos, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight groans for the redemption of man, for the coming of the end of the age so that it can be put right together again put right together so that it might come into its right harmony again. It says that the powers were broken. And when it speaks of powers, it means the nations. It means every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that's why we're seeing right now uh, what Vladimir Putin is doing to the Ukraine. Can you guys agree with me that there is evil in the world? Okay, so the nations are corrupt, the powers. The rulers are corrupt because sin has entered the world. And when it says rulers, it means everybody from the school board to the White House. Are you with me? And so sin seeks power and authority to break and dismantle, to steal, kill, and destroy. It doesn't mean that every person in every place of authority is broken or sinful. It means that sin seeks its place. And sin breaks the heart of man. Now, this has been a trending thing. I mean, th- th- this trending thing, this Will Smith thing has been trending. I mean, this is, and I'm not going to comment 
Okay, you, you've, if you haven't seen this, you've been in a hole somewhere. So you can take that down. Now here's what, here's what I wanna say. I'm not gonna comment good or bad on Will Smith and the thing. This is not a commentary on Will's life. Here's what I wanna say. That's the action of a broken man. And, and, and so it's an action of a man who's been humiliated and wants retaliation and had to do it publicly, okay? And there's all kinds of commentary I could talk about, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm, you know, as a man, I'm like, go ahead, give it to him. He need respect. Come on, guys, you're with me? On the other hand, it's totally wrong. And it's a trick of the devil. It's a scheme of the devil. And he put him on display to take him down. Everybody with me? So the powers, the rulers, the hearts of men the Bible says that we have, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers and spiritual forces. And when we hear words like spiritual forces, we get a little bit weirded out in our culture in America. And then we say, well, there's no demons. There's no demons really. I want to tell you, there's a host of demons right here, right now. Some of you are like, I'm sitting next to demon number one. <laughs> Listen, I'm... <laughs> Well, if you're a demon number one, you're demon number two. Okay. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. In America, we trick ourselves and, and there is this dichotomy in the world, like where Oscar Mumba lives in Zambia, there is animism and there's much more spirituality because there's less development. Now I'm not saying that, that Zambia has anything less intellectually on us from a human standpoint. What I'm saying is the development of the whole nation. Are you with me? And so there's animism. Animism means that there's more a cultural awareness of spiritual forces. And so there's more that you see in other parts of the world from the Western intellectualized sort of test tube stuff that happens in the West. And, and Oscar and his team were praying one evening and as they pray, Oscar said, we set up a prayer barrier. <laughs> Some of you don't know that I'm, I'm, it's a terrible impersonation of Oscar, I love you. He said that a witch, which is a self-identified individual who practices sorcery and who, who functions in necromancy and the casting of spells was on a board. She wasn't on a broom, she was on a board. And so somehow there's, and I've actually seen people levitate. I've actually seen this stuff, but I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. Listen, she was flying and she ran into their prayer canopy and was hurled to the earth. She was hurled to the ground. So she, in their prayer meeting, she fell on a piece of wood to the ground. Some of you guys are like, that's not true. Talk to Oscar when he comes. I, you know, I love you. You know what I mean? I don't know. Get the story from him. In the West, what we have is the imagination and the philosophies of men that are purported to us. And it's much more intellectualized. It's much more sinister. It's much more under the radar. And so what we have isn't those sort of fantastic stories. If you walk in Christianity and if you walk in deliverance, you walk in healing, you will hear those stories. You will hear them, you will see them. But for much of our nation, we say, we dismiss it immediately. We say, no, 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 that's not true. I've been in a prayer meeting and watched somebody manifest literally into a man's voice and see the sinew in their face change and then manifest a demonic presence. Like literally, I was preaching and a lady was like, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I tell my wife, I'm, I'm in seminary. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I said, can you minister to her, please? That's what good husbands do. 
So in the West, what happens to us, it's by ideas and imaginations and philosophies under the guise of tolerance and love. Satan has tricked many Americans. He's tricking us into compromising our beliefs and our morals, our spiritual truth. And, and we see people as our adversary now. People are not your adversary. It's the spiritual beings moving the people that are your adversary. It's not, it's, blue's not the adversary. Red isn't the adversary. Republican isn't the adversary. Democrat isn't the adversary. It's the spirit that comes from the cosmos, which comes from the powers, which comes from the rulers, which comes through the nations. It is, it is from school board to boss to whoever you're dealing with in the grocery store or traffic. It is not the person. It's the spirit. You're dealing with the spirit. And so under that spirit, that guise of spirit for us, it encourages people to rally around what we say is good. Now listen, Satan is, he was Lucifer, the angel of light. So he comes dressed as an angel of light. So many of the things that are purported in our nation for good stem from evil. Come on, you guys. Listen, listen, listen to, the, listen to what this sounds like. The rainbow flag in the name of love. Are you with me? Okay, I, I could go on. Women's rights to defend abortion. Do you hear what I'm saying? So from the front side, he acts like a serpent and a serpent lays down. And a serpent will not let you know of its poison until you get close enough for it to envenomate you. So a serpent lays dormant. It wants to present something that is like light. But if you'll do this for me, okay, and, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to stir you up. I want you to listen. There's one thing that we have to do as Christians. We have to think. Everybody say think. think. We got to think. If you'll go look up a lady named Margaret Sanger, who was the originator of Planned Parenthood. Now I'm talking about, so women's rights for, to defend abortion. So we end up lifting up women's rights. Come on, stay with me, church. And we lose human rights. Did you hear what I just said? But if we're not careful, we just follow after what we think is light, human, you know, women's rights. Yes, of course, women's rights, of course. Jesus was a proponent of women's rights. Jesus was. Jesus, in a time of a patriarchal system, Jesus did not leave the women out. They, they were, he was, he elevated women in a very significant way. We're not talking about women's rights, we're talking about human rights. And so I want you to look up Margaret Sanger, who was the originator of Planned Parenthood, because Planned Parenthood gets billions and billions and billions of taxpayer money for abortion. And the lady who started Planned Parenthood has a whole dialogue, like five pages of dialogue. And she is a self-ascribed racist who started Planned Parenthood to extinguish the African-American race in our nation. Now, I didn't say that. She said that but we tolerate it and swallow it as if something good doesn't have anything bad in it. Coexist in religious tolerance to mask an apathetic spiritual life. Just what we, want, what we want to do with coexist and religious tolerance is we just want everything. See, everything can't be Jesus because then Jesus can't be Jesus. So if everything is the same, nothing is the same. That's called communism. That's why our nation is so unique. What attracts Satan, what attracts him is unbelief and a confession. 
It is it's disbelieving God, which is sin, and a confession to agree with what Satan says. Do you know that there's a, there's a satanic Bible? Did you know that? There's a satanic Bible. But here's, here's something that's even more surprising than that. Most Christians in America utter satanic phrases that come straight from the satanic Bible every day. And we say things like this, boy, I don't know if God loves me. But let me tell you, the way you can know is you can walk up to the cross and watch him stretch out his arms and die for you. That's how you know. What attracts Satan is, is, is this unbelief and a confession that is satanic. And, and how many of you have how many of you been to the beach and uh, had a bag of potato chips with you? Come on. You just, if you want seagulls to attack and swarm your life, open the bag of potato chips and just hold one up. So, am I, am I right? So here's what happens. There is this, there's this unseen world that exists and there, are, there is actually a circular, there are airwaves and there are also pressure waves in those airwaves that seagulls ride on. They do this above us. There could not be a seagull anywhere. Can I get an amen? Take the bag of chips out. Crack the bag, hold the chip up. What happens is when the first seagull dives, when it dives like this, there's, an, there's a current that's created that the trajectory comes down to you. All the other seagulls feel that trajectory and they all come at the same time. That's exactly how Satan works. When I crack the bag of unbelief, Satan is attracted to my life. When, when I say, God, I don't think so. God, I do not trust you. God, I don't know if you have my back. God, I, I don't know if I can trust you with my finances or with my faith or with my girlfriend or with the timing or with my job or with my healing or with my life. When we say, when we feel, when we crack that bag, it's like every satanic thing around us has an open portal to follow another one. And here's the picture. Did you, did you put the picture up? And so what you've got here is you've got the, the seagulls but this is, I want you to know that that's what it looks like as soon as we walk in unbelief, Satan's coming right to our house. And when we make, when we make the confession that agrees with Satan, what we do is we empower him. When you make a confession that agrees with God, we empower the spirit of God. When you make a confession that denies the power of God, we're actually empowering Satan. And so can a Christian be dealing with satanic activity? Ab everybody say absolutely. Absolutely 100%. 100%. And so the question is, is are we willing to use our weaponry? Are we willing to use our, our weaponry? Revelation 12, 11 says this, we have an authority and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They conquered him, who? Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So what that means is instead of going home today or tomorrow or whenever it is and saying to God, God, you left me. God, how dare you? God, God, you, I want you to know that God might be correcting you. God might be directing you. God might be updating you. He might be teaching you, but he's never left you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He loves you. He died for you. He has sacrificed for you. 
He has shed his blood for you. And so the Bible says it's, it's, your victory is in the blood of the lamb. It's not in what you can do. So when you try to perform for God, you're saying to God, God, you're not enough. When we say to God, God, I'm not enough. Now God, who is enough, comes into my life. We need to be courageous enough to say, I cannot, but you have. I cannot, but you already did. So when we do, like at the beach here in Florida, when you apply that thick sunscreen, what God wants to do, this is a little bit graphic, but listen, he wants you to apply the blood. The blood should be all over you from the top crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Why? It's the ultimate repellent for Satan. The blood is the thing that Satan can't deal with because it's the efficacy of God. It's in in the very nature of God and the bleeding and death of his son and the sacrifice of Christ and our saturation in that promise that says, God, I don't see you, but I know you're there. God, I'm having difficulty, but I know you're on your throne. God, I'm going through a trial, but the trial isn't over me. I'm over the trial. Listen, listen, church, listen. Jesus didn't come just to give you power so that you could suffer through life and then just make it up to heaven. He came to give you power and authority so that you can walk in who you are today, which means putting Satan under your feet. Satan isn't the greatest enemy, though. You are. I am. Because I only, Satan is the one who's there handing me what I think I desire. Come on, somebody. And so the issue isn't just Satan. We can't just objectify Satan. We have to say, it's me and my desires. And when I turn from my desires, it's called repentance. When I turn from my desires and I turn towards God, God then becomes everything I need him to be and all that I need. And all that I want and all that I desire. When we say, I'm too weak, the gospel says, when I am weak, then I'm strong. Come on, say it with me. When we say, I'm unable, the gospel says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we say, I have this and this and this deficiency, you ever say that? Yeah, but I didn't know family and an education and I'm short and I'm not the right color. I'm, I'm, I have too much hair. I don't have enough hair. Come on. Come on, you guys. We need a humor tablet. I have this and this deficiency. You know what God says? Hide in my sufficiency. Yeah, I I know you're deficient, but I'm not. Yeah, I know you got a learning disability. I don't. Yeah, I know you're not the right whatever, whatever. I know you don't have enough of whatever, whatever, but I do. But I do. I'm your God. I do. I know you've got trauma, but I don't. I know that you have sickness, but I don't. Come on, church. We hide in his sufficiency. We say, I'm afraid. And we say, the Bible says, God did not give me a spirit of fear. Come on, say this with me. God did not give me a spirit of fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God did not give me a spirit of fear. God did not give me a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. Are you with me? Being fearful is not a spirit. Confessing 
that you acquiesce to fear and saying that you don't trust God and that fear is bigger than your God looks like the Hebrews leaving, leaving. That's another one. They had loofahs and they were leaving. Some of you can't laugh no matter what I do. Fear is a terrible God. It's a taskmaster. Fear is a terrible God. It's a taskmaster. I don't know if God loves me and I say, stand at the foot of the cross and nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Angel, nor demon, hype, nor death, anything in the earth, above the earth, or under the earth can separate me from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing. So Colossians 2, 6 through 15, I'll skip down. If those of you who are back there, he said this, 14, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and taking it out of the way, he nailed it to the cross with its obligations that obligated us to act in sinful nature. Here's what I want you to know. Here's the secret of the gospel. Listen, you don't have to be a taskmaster. You don't have to let sin be your taskmaster any longer. Why? Because Jesus conquered it on the cross and then disarmed all the powers of hell and he placed them under his feet as a footstool. Including you and me and my mind and my will and my emotions which means when Satan comes to me, because I promise you this, Satan isn't going anywhere. His demons aren't going anywhere. They're going to come to you and me. But when they do, we get to act in faith and say, I don't need you. I have all I need in him. That's bigger than you think. That statement is bigger than you think. Because sometimes we need a car more than we need our God. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we need a promotion more than we need our God. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly in his triumphal entry over them. And then the Bible says that he led a train of captives. And I want to end like this. Rachel Denhollander is a, uh, an Olympic gymnast. And I want to read you her story to end. And so Rachel Denhollander was the first victim to publicly come forward with allegations against uh, a man named Nasser. And she was finally, she was, uh, um, was one of 156 survivors to speak out 24 hours ago. There's a man commenting on, on this and he heard her story and he says, I want you to hear her story. We live in a world filled with the stench of evil and that evil resides in the hearts of humankind. It was not so long ago that we all had friends who doubted the existence of evil, certainly in an intellectual or objective sense. At yet, the doors open and as people find courage to speak, we discover that evil abounds and it's more prevalent and real and darker than we ever believed it was. In her address, Rachel Denholder speaks candidly of a pernicious and devastating behavior by Larry Nasser upon so many girls, including herself, she was an Olympic gymnast. She was on the team. Listen to this. Larry is a hardened and determined sexual predator. I know this firsthand. She's her speaking. At age 15, when I suffered from chronic back pain, Larry sexually assaulted me repeatedly under the guise of medical treatment for nearly a year. He did this with my own mother in the room, carefully and perfectly obstructing her view so she would not know what he was doing. 
his ability to gain my trust and the trust of my parents, his grooming and carefully calculated brazen sexual assault was a result of deliberate, premeditated and intentional methodological patterns of abuse. Patterns that were rehearsed long before I walked through Larry's exam room door, which continued to be perpetuated against me on a daily basis for 16 more years until I finally reported it. She spoke of why justice must be meted out. Now I want you to listen to the balance of justice and grace. Who's going to tell these little girls that what was done to them matters? What they, that they're seen and valued, that they're not alone and that they're not unprotected. And I could not do that. But we're here now today and that message has to be sent with a sentence that you hand down. You can communicate to all those little girls that every predator and every little girl or young woman who is watching how much that little girl is worth. I ask you, so she's talking to those who are about to sentence him. I ask you to hand down a sentence that tells us that what he has done matters, that we're known, that we're worth everything, that we're worth the great protection of the law can offer in all of its measures, the greatest measure of justice available. She also spoke of an idea, a message and a desire that is shared less often in Western society today, less believed and more rarely practiced. Watch this. Rachel Denholder spoke of divine judgment and mercy. She affirmed her belief in God, the God of the Bible, and the one who rightly punishes evil and yet who lovingly offers mercy. While addressing Larry Nasser, Rachel Denholder said, in our early hearings, you brought a Bible into the courtroom and you've spoken of praying for forgiveness. And also it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you've read your Bible you carry, you know the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for sin that he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness, but Larry, if you've read the Bible you carry, you know, and you know forgiveness doesn't come from things that you do as if good deeds can erase what you have done, it comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you've done in all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you've seen in this courtroom and what you've heard from these girls today. If the Bible you carry says, it's better for a stone to be thrown around your neck than to throw, uh, and you thrown into a lake, than for you to make even one child stumble, you have damaged hundreds of lives. The Bible you speak of carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly, listen to me, should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you today. I pray you experience the soul crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me. But even that I extend to you today. And I want to end like this and just saying, does his atonement, which atonement means the shedding of his blood, does his atonement match your commitment? Does his bleeding on the cross match your heart? Does it match your commitment to him, your love for him, your devotion to him, your 
earnestness for him, your walk with him, your... See, Satan isn't the enemy. It's that we're distracted. We're just distracted with so many things and we get our, our minds start to flow in unbelief and disbelief and disharmony and disunity and unforgiveness and bitterness and all of those things are the doctrine of demons. They're cultivated from inside a man, the Bible says, inside. So does your sanctification match his atonement? Sanctification is a big word for your walk with Jesus. And so as we end, I, I wanna leave you with that. I wanna, I wanna leave you that, that position. I believe today, as, as, as the worship was taking place, I just, I believe today's a day for healing. I just really, I really feel like today God can heal some things in your heart that have been open, sort of open wounds for a long time that you might need to just say to Jesus, Jesus, I see your atonement, I see the blood. And, and from this day forward, I'm gonna cover myself with your blood. I'm not gonna try to perform. I'm not gonna try to face the enemy. I've, I've heard some guys like, you know, I'm gonna face the enemy. I said, well, that's a wrong idea. That, that, is, that is a terrible idea. That's terrible. Don't call out the devil. He's stronger than you are. but he's not stronger than God. He's not stronger than your heavenly father. And so today that the altar call, the call is, will you come hide in the shadow of the almighty? Will you let his wings cover you today? And, and will you recognize there's an unseen battle? It's real. This is a real battle for the hearts and minds of our children, our nation, the nations of the world, the cosmos itself is bearing the weight of our sin and depravity. And will you today just say, I release that to you, God. I, I, under the weight of your sacrifice, I sacrifice for you. I give you my life today. So let's first just ask him for salvation. Would you, heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender and I give you my life. And if that's your prayer, would you indicate to us by just indicating, just raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. Would you raise your hand? We see it, friends. Would you hold them up for just a moment? Just a minute. We're, we're coming. We just want to give you a card. So good. So the card, the card is just for you to register your decision. Just for you to say, today's the day. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's just like a birthday. It's a spiritual birthday today. We wanna celebrate it with you. We wanna record it with you. Anybody else? Slip your hand up for us. If we missed your wave at us. Okay. And so when we stand in just a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna walk off. I'm gonna worship for a moment. When we stand, that's the cue for you to have access. If you got a card, everybody look up here for just a second. If you received a card, you're welcome to just come forward and hand that card to one of our encouragers, our prayer partners that are here. We, we really, we just wanna help you. We wanna help you take the next step. It's helpful for you to actually bring the card and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you, if you confess. So a card in a service doesn't mean anything, but a card with the heart and a confession to say, Jesus, you are Lord, it means everything. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he changes. Here's the good news. Listen, church, he changes you from the inside out. 
You don't have to work and strive. It's not a list of to-dos. God has taken the to-dos and made them to done. Yes. And so when, we, when, you, when you leave, when you confess, when you're saying, Jesus, you're Lord, there is this opening in heaven. And man, all the grace of God pours down on you. All of his love comes to you. He loves you. And so when we stand, that's the signal, that's the sign. It's an opening for you to come. If you wanna just say, I'm gonna leave my life here under the blood of Jesus today. That's my, that's my I'm gonna let my life reflect what he's done for me. And I am not, listen to me, church. I am not, say not, not, not. Say not, not, not. <laughs> gonna let Satan steal from me or my family any longer. Would you stand? If you need to come, you begin to come now. You just start to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your blood is enough. If you just feel like you've not been living under the blood in your marriage, you've not been living under the blood for your health, you've not been living under the blood for any issue that you need, your finances, you begin to come now. You can just come. Father, we thank you that Jesus is enough. This unseen battle is all about you. It's not about Satan. It's all about you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. Our Easter and Good Friday services are fast approaching. We encourage you to invite your friends and family and join us at one of our services at our three campus locations. For all service times, visit crossingeaster.com.